This is the Linda Steele Show on News Talk 980 CKNW, now in HD. Some 40,000 people will be descending on Paris next week for the latest summit on climate change, including a whole raft of Canadian politicians led by our Prime Minister Trudeau. Now, as you know, Alberta's already announced a new carbon tax as its lead plank in a new series of policies designed to fight climate change. But what are the economic and financial implications? With more on that, I'm joined by Michael Campbell, the host of Canada's number one rated financial show, Money Talks. Michael, what do you think about this carbon tax approach? Well, I think you're going to find that virtually all economists favor the carbon tax approach over sort of the regulatory approach, which is more costly, less effective. The bottom line is that a carbon tax provides an incentive for people to reduce their carbon footprint. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's no different than when the price of gasoline went up a couple of years ago. People drive less. They change their behavior. So you throw on a price of carbon, uh, you know, across the board, and people can now choose to cut back or, or uh, pay it in the end. But as I say, that's why you'll find virtually all economists in favor. That's just the carbon tax. So to keep in mind, I think we're going to find some debate and some disagreement, is that the government in Alberta kept on some existing rules and regulations, then they added some new ones, like right. a 45% reduction in methane emissions by 2025, or they're getting rid of their coal-fired electricity by 2030. I think you're going to find a ton of economists thinking, you don't need to do that. If you've got a carbon tax, it's going to be effective enough on its own to change that behavior. Yeah, and it's hard to argue with the idea of helping to protect the environment, but the taxpayer says, hey, wait a minute, how much is it going to cost me? Yeah, and I think this is obviously a key point, because uh, what they're saying is in 2017, first year, it's going to be about $320, you know, per average family, middle class and upper income families, rising, though, to 470 the next year in 2018 and going up after that. Uh, You know, for companies, they're seeing $20 a ton in 2017, $30 a ton in 2018, again, rising toward $100 after that. So it's going to get more expensive at that point. And those are just sort of the numbers right now. Right. And then given that the overall economic growth is pretty slow, the big question is, what do you think the economic impact is going to be? Well, that's that's the one I think is key here, because it's got to be taken in a broader context, as you've just alluded to. Hey, what's going on elsewhere? And too much of the analysis I read is singling this out. Yeah, but but there other are other things going on. So, you know, when you look at companies, for example, well, it's very clear that chemical and fertilizer manufacturers are going to be hit hard. Oil and gas are going to be hit hard, the most impacted. Now, there is a clause in this that is going to get some subsidies to big emitters to help them sort of get off that. And also for people, uh, there's going to be less employment in the oil patch. There's no doubt of that. Mm-hmm. And so there's going to be help for workers who are displaced. We're going to have to see the details of that and how that plays out. But right now, there are going to be subsidies for the big emitters at this point to get them through at least a transition period. The other side to remember is that this really doesn't have a major impact on the service sector. I mean, about 70% of our economy is the service sector. So if you're a massage therapist, it doesn't have a big impact on you. Yes, some costs for an individual are going to go up, but... You know, I'm talking about in your job. It's not going to in a huge portion of the economy. Yeah, let's talk about how individuals are going to be affected. Well, here's the big thing, and, and, and there was criticism, I thought it was completely justified, uh, that Premier Notley came out and said, hey, this is revenue neutral. Well, it's absolutely not. British Columbia, who is way ahead of the game in terms of having a carbon tax, is truly revenue neutral. For example, every cent that they raise 
must, by legislation, get passed back in the form of tax savings to individuals. So I think in this coming year, the budget projected somewhere around, off the top of my head, $1.4 billion are going to get collected through the carbon tax, but $1.6 billion is going to get rebated uh, through a variety of means, especially in um, individual income tax. So it's revenue neutral. The government's not making any extra money. That's not the case in Alberta here. Uh, that what's happened is that uh, about half of it, they are going to rebate to low-income families. Uh, they are going to rebate, as I say, to these big emitters. But, you know, anybody who's above the medium income and upper income in that range, no, they're going to be paying. That's just less money in their pocket. And there's a, a couple of things about that I want to bring to people's attention, again, that I haven't read much on. Uh, number one is you really got to pay attention to what's going on in the overall economy. It's not just an increase, as I said, three hundred and twenty dollars in two thousand seventeen, four hundred and four seventy, I think, in two thousand eighteen. No, but that's on top of property tax increases. For example, in Edmonton, four point nine percent. Calgary, I think, it's about three point five percent. It's on top of increased taxes in cigarettes and liquor. It's on top of um, income tax brackets really going up dramatically in Alberta for anyone making over. 125,000. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at the whole context because the challenge we're getting right now in the economy is the government's just taken too darn much out of it. I mean, it's not a big mystery to say, hey, if you keep taking money out of my pocket, I've got less to spend, right. less to sort of spur on economic growth. So when I look at something like this carbon tax, I'm looking at it, and when it's not revenue neutral, I'm looking at it in the broader context of what else is coming out. And there's a ton of transfers, increased transfers uh, going to government. And to me, it's a real easy call. Alberta can kiss goodbye any kind of recovery here because you just can't keep hitting the consumer, hitting the businesses. As businesses, for example, are seeing their corporate income tax go up by 20%. That's not the recipe in anyone's book for you know growing your economy. Yeah, and Albertans won't be happy about paying more because they've been a little bit spoiled over the years. Hey, let oh. me just throw one more thing very quickly because sure. I don't want to forget this group. There's a ton of Canadians, about 25% of Canadians, for example, file income tax and don't pay taxes. It's about 8 million people in Alberta off the top of my head again I think it's about 800,000 they don't get help by any of these subsidies unless they're non-refundable tax credits that's the detail I want to see when they flesh this out because it doesn't do me any good to get a tax credit if I'm not paying any income tax in the first place so that low income group has to be addressed on this because otherwise they're seeing costs go up which they can least afford but they're not getting any uh, uh, sort of subsidy for that if it's done with a tax credit as opposed to a non-refundable tax credit which means you get cash. That's right. Okay, thanks for that, Michael. I was breathing there. Thanks, Linda.